subject that I think is very important, and I set it up with a message this morning, and um, we're going to look and finish out chapter 15 tonight. So let's pray together, and then we'll get in the Word. Father, I, uh, I just pray to you, because you're the God of all gods, there's none other than yourself, and uh, Lord, no one can heal, no one knows the physical body, the spiritual needs, the emotional needs, everything in our life. Lord, you're very conscious of that. And that's hard for us to understand because we are not you. And uh, Lord, we, we submit ourselves to you. And uh, Father, there's always so many great physical needs. Whether it's in our church family, our, our, our own personal flesh and blood families, extended families, or, or people that we know, there's always great physical need. And uh, Lord, we, we lift up Karen Roberts to you and the need that she has. And uh, Father, that you would please just help the doctors to have incredible wisdom in knowing how to best take care of her. And then Nancy Morrow was back with us this morning. Same sweet spirit, same smile. She is always that loving individual who just pours life into you. And uh, Lord, I know that she's still hurting from her injuries, and she's seeing all a number of doctors uh, who, are, who are checking out various things with her. And again, we pray, Lord, for doctors to have wisdom to find out what is causing her problems and that you would minister to meet those needs. We pray for Donald tonight. We lift him up to you. Ask your Father for physical healing, that you would touch him, that you would minister to his spirit and encourage him. And let him know, Father, is a loving family, a church family that cares greatly for him. And uh, I lift up Don Bond to you as well. Uh, Lord, that's Denise's sister, and we, we pray for her and her physical need. And we lift up her to you tonight. And I know that there are others I could... I could extend a great list of people tonight. And uh, Lord, I just lift up everyone to you. I lift up our church family, whether present or absent tonight, that you would minister to them and help them. And I love you, and I'm thankful for you, and I'm thankful that you answer prayers and the relationship that we have one another with one another because of our relationship that we have with you. Let us be mindful of that tonight. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together. Acts 15. We'll begin this evening with verse 36. And um, I'm going to say this tonight. I spend a great deal of time studying on a weekly basis. Uh, When I'm teaching the teenagers... I'm studying for four different messages every week and, and preparing. And so I'm always in the Word and I'm always seeking personal help as well as spiritual help for our church. And uh, so I'm always seeking the Lord's direction in all things. And I, I also read behind uh, great men of the faith. Uh, and uh, and I'm, I'm reading their thoughts on different passages and uh, sometimes I'm listening to sermons. I'm just gathering different tidbits of information. And uh, tonight, I really want to credit the main portion of this message 
to a pastor named Jimmy Chapman tonight. And uh, a lot of the thoughts he had to say, I think, are very helpful. And I wanted to uh, present them to you. And I want to give him the credit for it tonight. Uh, many of the thoughts that are, that are presented certainly the main points. But I think this passage is extremely important in the local church. And uh, we just looked at Barnabas this morning and a life that magnified Christ. Uh, but we see something that takes place in verse 36 that we often see take place in our churches. And um, I, I, I want us to uh, look at this tonight as we get to the end of chapter 15. So begin reading in verse 36. And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. I just pray. Pastor Gill, would you pray for the message tonight? may be seated. <clears throat> Disagreements between people are going to happen. And yes, they're going to happen amongst church family just like they're going to happen in the world. It's, it's just a part of our human nature to disagree with one another at times simply because we are different people. We are different in our spirit. We're different in our attitudes. We are different in our thinking. And that's what makes uh, life so interesting as it is. We, we look different. We talk different. We come from different backgrounds. Our education is different. And our talents and abilities are different. And because we are so different, disagreements are not only inevitable, but if we're not careful, they're also very dangerous. And they are dangerous because they often lead to some things that are not good. Sadly, one pastor observed that church members are like porcupines. We need each other, but rather than love one another, we needle each other. Vance Havner stated, there are many porcupine Christians, they have their good points but you simply can't get near them. Truth to that. That's a true statement. Well, this evening we, we looked at the, the, or this morning we looked at the life and the ministry of Barnabas and we saw his influence on the lives of other believers. And uh, his most well-known co-laborer, of course, is the Apostle Paul. They have returned back to the church of Antioch. They have reported unto the church. They went back to Jerusalem concerning a very serious doctrinal matter. 
And now they are back here in, in chapter 15. And uh, we, we see them in verse 35 of this chapter that they're teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Tonight, in our focus on the last six verses of the chapter, we're going to look at two incredible Christians and the subject of when good men simply disagree. I've got three main points tonight. The first one is this, if you take notes. We see one man's passion in verse 36. They've been spending some time. They have, they have come back. You, we, we call this today furlough. They have reported to the churches. They are, they are ministering in the local church that they were sent out of, their home church. They are serving. But Paul was a tireless uh, believer. He, his desire for Christian service was just unrelenting. And there was always something that needed to be done in the work of the Lord. And so his passion directed his life. And we get to verse 36, and Paul had had enough of ministering there in Antioch. There were others who could do that. He had a desire to go back and visit the churches that they had ministered to on the mission field. Let's read verse 36 again. And some days after, Paul said in the Barnabas, Let's, let us go again. The, the, the title of this series through the book of Acts is Let's Go. And Paul was ready to go once again. And he wanted to go and visit the brethren in every city where they have preached the word of the Lord and see just how they're doing, see how they do. Now we see the initiative of Paul. Paul had, as I just mentioned, Paul had been in Antioch long enough. And uh, to him, there was a, there's a lost world out there waiting to hear, needing to hear of the gospel. And in Paul's mind, there was, in chapter 13, you remember, there were other preachers. There were other ministers who, who were listed in Acts 13, verse 1. And so Paul saw that there were able bodies, there were able men who could teach and preach in that local church. And so he, he turned his heart elsewhere. That was his calling. That was his burning desire. He wasn't to stay in any one local church for a time and pastor church. He just wanted to go start fires somewhere. And so he turned to Barnabas and, and said, let's go. And those, those simple words give us a, just a tiny insight into a dimension of Paul that we run into again and again. Simply as this, that it was very hard to keep Paul in one spot. He was eager and excited and, and ready to go. What adventure did God have in store for him? And he wanted to go see how God could use them. So Paul had in his mind that no matter where he was, there was someone else out there that needed Jesus. And though he may have been effectively ministering where he was, there was a tugging and pulling at his heart to the regions beyond. He was a man driven by a desire to communicate Christ. And he was a tremendously motivated man. So for Paul, the church at Antioch was not a parking lot. It was a launching pad. It was from there that he would go and serve the Lord. Then we see the intention of Paul, intention of Paul. 
Paul had a missionary heart and vision. He, he wanted to go to the regions beyond. He had a burden for the loss and a desire to strengthen the new believers. And as a result, he suggested to Barnabas that they should march on. And as we see in this passage in our text, uh, that Barnabas agreed, and he also felt it was time to go. And so they, they wanted to go and review their work among the Gentiles. They wanted to renew it, refresh it, encourage the believers. They wanted to conduct a circuit among the churches that they had planted and see what progress the gospel made among them. And so Paul and Barnabas, they agreed on the importance of the trip. But as we read further, we discover they could not agree on the composition of the team. And so secondly, we see tonight the parting of the two men in verse 37 through 39. Let's read, let's read those verses again. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. We remember John going with them in chapters 14. And uh, they went out. And you'll remember that John Mark decided he didn't want any more of it. And so before they went over and crossed over into the region of Galatia, Mark left the team and went back to Jerusalem. Well, now they've spent some time together. And of course, John Mark is a family member of Barnabas. And, he, and evidently, John Mark had, had a different spirit, a different attitude now. And so he wanted to go with them again when they left again for their missionary journey. And so Barnabas was determined he was going to take John Mark with him. But verse 38, Paul thought not good to take him with him, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them. This wasn't a mild disagreement, okay? This was a, a stubborn, bullheaded, I'm right, you're wrong. It is a serious contention between two great Christians, two mighty men of God. The, the, the contention was so sharp between them, they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed into Cyprus. And of course, Paul chooses Silas in verse number 40. At this moment, these two strong Christians who had great influence in the local churches and seen many churches started, they were the two unhappiest brothers in Antioch. They were completely unhappy in their Christian faith. They were at one another's... Uh, I won't go as far as to say they're at one another's throats, but they are displeased with one another. G. Campbell Morgan said this about this situation. He says, I'm greatly confronted whenever I read this, for if I had never read that Paul and Barnabas had a contention, I should have been afraid. Because these two preachers were not angels, they were simply men. Amen? And we're all prone to make mistakes from time to time. Every one of us. We can make judgments and, and believe that we're right and everyone else is wrong and uh, really cause a friction between ourselves. Now, I want you to see that, I, I want us to understand this lesson. Spiritual maturity does not erase personality differences. Spiritual maturity does not erase personality differences. I remember years ago I was reading, and uh, 
uh, some, I don't know what it was I was reading, I just remember this particular uh, circumstance. There was a young man who had recently been saved. He is serving the Lord, and he tells his buddy who is not saved, he says, man, you can't do anything to me, I'm sanctified. And the guy was cussing, he was saying all this, he says, I'm sanctified, I'm set apart, I'm different, than, I'm different now, I'm not the man that I used to be. And uh, his lost friend says, what does being sanctified mean? He says, it means that if you cuss me, I'm not going to cuss you back. He says, it, it means that if you're mean to me, I'm not going to be mean back to you. And his lost buddy, just because they're two roughnecks, he just reared back and punched him right in the nose. And his newly saved Christian friend turned around and punched him right back. He said, I thought you were sanctified. He says, evidently I'm not as sanctified as I thought I was. Spiritual maturity does not erase personal personality differences. Just because we're saved does not mean that we'll never clash with one another from time to time. However, our clashes should be less frequent and less severe in proportion to our spiritual maturity. Amen? I'll read that again. Our clashes should be less frequent and less severe in proportion to our spiritual maturity. We ought to be able to work through some things. To dwell above with the saints we love, oh, that will be glory, we say. But to dwell below with the saints we know, well, that's a completely different story. Personality clashes can arise between men who share the same basic theology. Paul and Barnabas, in this chapter, we looked at it a couple of weeks ago in a message entitled, In Christ Alone. We looked at the first 35 verses of this chapter. They had just come away from the Jerusalem council where the core issue was salvation by grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ. And there that doctrine had been affirmed. And both men firmly agreed about this, but their personalities clashed over a practical matter of ministry. In other words, they believed the same thing you and I believe, okay? We, we believe in the, the Bible is, is, God's, uh, is God's word and is our final authority in faith and practice, amen? We believe that salvation, salvation is by grace through faith in Christ alone. It's not of works. Can I get amen there? We believe that every believer that knows Jesus Christ as their Savior is eternally saved because our faith is in Christ, not in ourselves. We call that the doctrine of eternal security, amen? And so I can go down the list, and there's a lot of things that we agree on. But sometimes it's practical matters that we allow our different opinions and perspectives to get in the way. And this this practical matter in the situation between Barnabas and Paul is one liked this guy and the other one didn't. And so there was a struggle and a problem between the two. It's worth noting how much trouble can spring or find its roots from unfaithfulness on someone's part. John Mark at one time decided he wanted to bow out. 
And uh, Barnabas was very forgiving. Remember, he's an encourager by nature. He saw the good in people, just like he saw the good in Saul when nobody else wanted him. But Saul, he's, he's, a, he's a fiery individual, and, and uh, he, he doesn't always think graciously. And he doesn't, always, he doesn't look at John Mark and see the potential. He just saw his failures. And so a contention arose between the two of them. They had the same theology, but their personality clashed. Then we see that personality clashes can arise between men who are both godly and committed to the cause of Christ. Paul and Barnabas were not new believers. Both men had walked with God for years. They were both fully committed to doing the will of God no matter what the cost. In verse 26 of chapter 15, we read that they were men who had hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, yet they still clashed with one another. Then I want us to see that personality clashes can arise between men who have served together for years in the cause of Christ. Paul and Barnabas, they had a long history of serving together. We looked at this this morning. It was Barnabas who had gone to Paul and listened to his testimony when every Christian in Jerusalem was holding him at arm's length. It was Barnabas who went to Tarsus to look for Paul and brought him back to labor with him in the ministry at Antioch and gave him an opportunity to serve in the local church. And these two men had been set apart and commissioned together to go out on the first missionary journey. This clash erupted out of a godly concern of Paul's part to revisit the churches that they had seen God establish on that first journey to see how they were doing, on their, uh, doing in the Lord. But both men had a heart for the well-being of the churches. And yet these two who served together for many years in the cause of Christ suddenly found themselves at odds amongst one another. Spiritual maturity does not erase personality differences that can lead to strong clashes. Then we see that personality differences can lead to personality clashes that can cause us to get away from the Lord. The question always comes up when I'm reading about verses 36 through 41. Everybody wants to talk about who is right in the clash. Who is right? Who is right? Am I right or is he right? Okay? Obviously, in a lot of circumstances, one of us has got to be wrong. Amen? A lot of times, but not always. I believe both of these guys, you could say, were both right and wrong. Uh, Luke, he was obviously close to Paul, and he didn't blame Barnabas or Paul, so we should be careful for that. But Paul was right in that he was a rugged pioneer venturing into enemy strongholds, and he didn't need someone on his team who he couldn't trust. He needed, he needed somebody committed and would not flinch in the face of hardship and adversity. And Mark had not proven himself to be such a man. And so Paul didn't want him with him. Now Barnabas was right in that he saw the undeveloped potential in Mark. And he wanted to extend God's grace to a young man despite his earlier mistake. And history would prove him right because... Paul would later speak of Mark in, in Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 10. And in 2 Timothy 4 verse 11, 
he told Timothy to pick up Mark and bring him with him because he was profitable for the ministry. So Barnabas' efforts to reclaim Mark for the cause was also paid off. And we, and we have the gospel of Mark as a result of that. So both men, you could understand and say they were both right, but they were also both wrong because they stubbornly dug in their heels and refused to give in at all to the other man's point of view. Amen? They didn't listen to the other. They had made up their mind, they were set on it, and therefore there was a, there was a sharp contention between the two rather than listening out and coming to a reasonable conclusion. You cannot find two more godly, dedicated servants of Jesus Christ than Paul and Barnabas. And yet here they are clashing with one another. This brings me to my final point, the pattern for every man. Let's read 39 and 40 again. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. Now, this is what we learn from them. Neither Paul nor Barnabas quit serving the Lord. How many times have you heard someone say, I quit going to church because of so-and-so? Do you really think you're going to stand before the Lord and that excuse is going to have weight? Neither one of them allowed their clash to keep from serving the Lord. The reason for that is because the work of Christ was greater than either one of them. Amen? And so they kept on serving even after they had a disagreement with one another. Neither Paul nor Barnabas let their disagreement stop them from serving the Lord. As we read in the scripture, they didn't even take a time out. Satan tried to bring a rift between them. And what happened is this, instead of one missionary team, we ended up with two. Amen? God can take our mistakes and turn it into something wonderful. Can he? God can, I mean, maybe that was God's plan all along. We just, there's just a better way of getting there. Right? There's a much better way of getting there. Also, we do not read this. Paul went through Syria and Cilicia telling all the churches how wrong Barnabas was. We do not read that. There was no indication that Paul and Barnabas became rivals or competed with each other after this. They just kept going for the Lord because the cause was greater than their disagreement. So they did not nurse their disagreement. We should never feel sorry for ourselves and be filled with a sense of pity because nursing our heart will only cause us to become bitter and bitter people lose their zeal and their zest for the Lord. They lose their impact for an effective life for the Lord. If we're always angry at somebody, bitterness creeps in our heart. And the Bible has nothing good to say about bitterness. 
And so if we're in a place of self-pity, I was wrong, they did me wrong, they hurt me, well, then it affects us and we become bitter in our spirit. And, it, and, it, and it, there's no room for that because the cause is greater than our own personal feelings. And then we see that they did not rehearse their agreements, meaning they did not gossip about it or spread it among others. Amen? They didn't go, they didn't go to Miss Regina and say, Miss Regina, this is how I was wronged, or James, this is how I was wronged, and I know I was right, and uh, we should be taking John Mark, and we should be doing this thing together, and, and I don't see why Paul can't see it my way. We, sh- we shouldn't be involved in that. Because it affects our spirit, and it affects the spirit of those who are around us. And so the best way to handle it, as we look here in the scriptures, is keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. Keep our eyes on the cause for what God has called us to, and let's be faithful about it. In closing. When we face a disagreement with another Christian, and we're going to, it's going to happen, we should attempt to disengage our emotions and objectively think through the answers to three questions. Let me give them to you. The first one is, what is the real nature of the difficulty? It's not an easy question to answer. But we have to face it honestly. We all need to be careful to not push personality differences into the realm of doctrine or sin. Amen? if, If it's a doctrinal issue, there should be a problem. If there's a sin issue, there should be a problem. All right? But if we're just disagreeing on a practical matter of how... Paul, who do you think our team should be? I think we should take John Mark. So much so that we get angry at one another and we just decide to split ways. And we never really see Paul and Barnabas interacting again in the scripture. We got to be careful. That personality differences don't just, we allow them to run the show. Because it sounds far more spiritual to say that the other person is doctrinally off base or that he sinned against me than to simply admit, that person just gets on my nerves. Right? Here's the second question. Is there a godly character quality that the Lord is trying to develop in me through this clash? Because sometimes God in His grace, and you might even say His sense of humor, throws us together with people who probably naturally get on our nerves because He's wanting to sand off the rough edges. Because if we are always around people that were just like us and never challenged us and and never tried us a little bit, 
there's, there's never any growth. If everybody always sees everything your way, there's no growth. You don't need patience. You don't need forbearance. You don't need gentleness. You don't need kindness when the other person sees everything my way. And I don't need to learn to deny myself when the other person thinks that I'm a wonderful guy. Amen? Surround yourself with yes men long enough, and then you're going to start thinking you're wonderful. And God puts people in your life sometimes that maybe is a thorn in your flesh because they keep you humble. But when there's a clash, God often confronts us with our own selfishness and stubbornness. And if I submit to him and don't bail out of the difficult relationship, he will use it to develop Christ-like qualities in me. Amen? And the Lord, because the Lord works good even from our weaknesses and failures. We love to quote Romans 8, 28. And sometimes the good from it is we need to be humbled we need to learn some patience, and we need to grow a little bit. And the last question is this. Who is the real enemy? The person you're having a clash with is not your enemy nor your adversary. Amen? We're on the same team, right? Can I get amen, Ronnie? Thank you. Who's the real enemy? Because we like to put faces, and we think they're wrong. I was talking to somebody recently. I can't remember who I told this to. But this is the truth. I often find myself fighting is too strong a term. But I feel like I have to be challenged Dealing with Christian people more than I deal with lost people. Y'all got me? I expect certain things to come from a people who don't believe in Jesus Christ and don't want me on their front door telling them about Jesus or inviting them to church. I expect that. And that's okay. But it's amazing what you have to do with Christian people. Amen? And if we're not careful, we start treating one another like the enemy. They're on our team. We're in this thing together, right? We're serving the Lord together. Lord Nelson, the famed British admiral, once came on deck and he found two of his officers quarreling. And he grabbed both of the men by the collar and he turned them around. And he pointed at the enemy ships. And he exclaimed, gentlemen, there are your enemies. We're on the same team. If Paul and Barnabas can disagree to the point that they split up and go their separate ways... And as I said before, you could say both are right and you could say both are wrong. I'm telling you, there's going to be times where good men, good women, good believers are going to disagree with one another. But never let us forget we're on the same team. 
And reconciliation should always be the goal. And we should find a way to love one another and encourage one another and help one another. And let's go together faithfully serving the Lord. But if God uses it, and in the next year you're no longer at Somerville Baptist Church and you're going to down the road Baptist Church, you're still on my team. Amen? You're still on my team. And I pray that God uses you there in a bigger way than he ever used you here. Let God use you. Find grace toward one another. Listen to one another. Have the right conversations with the right people. I want an amen there. Don't, don't base your judgments on this is what so-and-so said or this is what Facebook said. If you got a question, go to the source. If you've got something you need to say, go to the individual and say it. And be gracious and kind to one another. And maybe you need to stop and pray before you get started. Lord, give me a right spirit. Don't say, God, give them a right spirit to take what I'm about to deliver them. God, give me a right spirit in how to deliver it. Don't ever do it when you're mad. Wait and calm down. Type the text out and then hit delete. Sometimes you need to calm down and wait till tomorrow to talk about it. Care about one another and their spiritual life. Care that God can use them greatly. Don't just be so set in your way that you are right and nobody else is. I want an amen there. Learn to be gracious toward people. And let God use us however God can use us. And may he do big things in all of our lives as a result. Right? Let's bow our heads tonight.